Good morning. Good to see everyone this morning. If I uh, seem like I'm being a little evasive this morning, it is because I am being a little evasive this morning. I'm uh, practicing my own social distancing, so uh, just uh, I don't know that I'm contagious with anything, but I know that there's something that uh, has me a little weaker than normal, so I can't stand not being here. I, I got to be here. I got to love my kids. <laughs> Even my older kids. Uh, praise God. So glad that you're here today. So good to see you. And, um, you know, it doesn't make any difference what the enemy says. We don't have a spirit of fear. We sang the song. We're not a slave to fear because fear will make you a slave. We are free because whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. So I just praise God for everything he's doing in every one of your lives. It's a great day to be alive and to know Jesus, to be filled with the Spirit, and to have the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. Hoorah! <laughs> so, Praise God for that. Um, I want to say something that some people will probably, before the message starts, some people will probably think that I'm getting a little political here. And um, I, I know that Christians are all over the spectrum when it comes to politics, um, believing this and believing that. So the church doesn't take any political stand at all. But I have a responsibility to speak out on some subjects, and I'm going to do that. I will not be quiet. And so what I'm saying is not to me, it's not political at all. It's moral. And there's a big difference. Um, the 1999, 70% of people in America went to a church, a synagogue, or a mosque. Today it's 47%. So that means basically one-third of the quote-unquote religious influence of America is sick. Lonely, destitute, stowed in. And that's had an effect on our country. And there's a lot of things that are going on in our country, as you well know, that are moral issues. Uh, you know, and, and I, I won't be silent on that because the Bible speaks very clearly about so many of these subjects. And so, number one, of course, is abortion. And... Uh, the fact that we as Christians believe in life. We believe in life of the preborn. We believe in life of the elder. We believe in life, period. And we have a gubernatorial race that has Governor Stitt who's said that he would, he, he doesn't make laws, okay? He can, you know, uh, he can veto them, but he doesn't make laws. But he said when he took the office, that he would, pass, he would pass through his desk, sign, sign every pro-life law that was passed on his desk. Everything that the Senate and the Congress representatives passed, he said he would sign if it's a pro-life measure. Okay? So Oklahoma now has one of the strongest pro-life laws 
in the country, guaranteeing security and safety in the room, uh, in the womb. Uh, and there is an exception for emergencies in the mother's life, but you don't. Not everybody's telling you that, but it's there. I read it. Um, on the other hand, we have a person who's changed parties recently, and she says that she is personally pro-life, but that she believes that nobody should stand between her doctor and a, a mother, expectant mother. And Well, that's, that's two different stands right there. You say you are, but then you say you're not. And she said that she would also support all measures to take away the laws that have just been passed. Okay? So make no doubt about it. The pro-life issue is very clear in the gubernatorial race. Governor Stitt's pro-life. Joy Hoffmeister is not. And that's the truth. And if we look at the Bible, I don't think we have any choice. Um, that's a responsibility, an obligation, and a privilege to be able to speak correct things into the life, moral life of our state. Uh, also, of course, there's other issues that are, that are moral. The LBGTQ stuff is really rampant across this country. It's not as bad here, but it's, it's, it's here. The rampant spending in the, in the national level has been awful. It's not stewardship. Both parties are guilty. Um, our state's doing much better. And then um, protecting the borders. Um, America is, is, a, is a country of immigration. And we welcome immigration legally. And people who want to be here to help and build and produce a future. And to, and to leave a legacy. And those immigrants should be welcome, arms open, and we should abide by the, the laws and regulations that we have in them and say, come on. But just to let sex traffickers, fentanyl has gone crazy in this country. It's killing, it's the number one cause of death of people in the younger age brackets. Fentanyl, it's a heinous drug that mix, they mix it in with other things and uh, to, to addict people, and it's deadly. It's a very, just a very small amount of it will kill you. So we need to, we need to secure the borders, and that's a, that's a national issue. So I just want to say those things and um, encourage you to um, be strong, be, be courageous, and, and do the right thing. The right thing to do is the right thing to do. And uh, there's a biblical perspective on those four issues, and um, I will not be silent on them. It's, it's just too important. Amen. Amen. That's moral issues. Those are. Praise God. So, hallelujah. Missed y'all last Sunday, but I know you were in great hands. And uh, I heard somebody say that Pastor Kelly got an A-. minus. Trying to keep him humble a little bit here, you know, Okay. Praise God. No, I'm, I, I praise God for my buddy who always fills in uh, even without a whole lot of notice. Because he's instant in and out of season. Praise God. Okay. We're starting on Holy Spirit, part 20. 
And we're starting as a subtitle, Why Don't All Christians Speak in Tongues? And this will be subtitle, Why All Christians Don't Speak in Tongues, part one. Okay? And we're going to do this probably a minimum of two weeks and maybe three weeks. Because I want to cover this subject. It's very important. And there's a lot of ambiguity with people talking this and talking that. And you hear people that say, you have to be spirit-filled to get to heaven. Some people say that, you know, that's, there's a, this is a neo-Pentecostal thing, that none of it's true. It's all passed away. I mean, you've got everything in there, and in between there, there's a lot of things. So what we're going to do is break it down. We want to be fairly comprehensive in this because I believe that if we get to the Bible and really look what the Bible says, that it'll bring us together in agreement, as it should, and we'll, we, we're going to determine whether tongues is for today or not. We're going to determine whether it's for all people or some people. We're going to determine uh, the things about it. Why did it, would it, was it used in the first century? Why uh, today that people that believe in it? And uh, so forth and so on. So uh, I, I, to me, most people who uh, have a problem with trying to understand tongues is that they don't understand there's several different types of manifestations of tongues. And so we're going to learn there's about four of them that take place in the Bible. And then we'll go through those one by one. We're just going to do the first one today. And then we'll do the others the next week or the following week. And really take a look at what the Bible says. What is God doing there? Is he is he, was it just for a time and place, or is it still going on today? And uh, if, if it is for today, then how come everybody doesn't believe in it? Okay, so those are kind of the things. I want to spur your curiosity. We're going to do a lot of Scripture today because we want to set the foundation for what the Bible says. Okay, you all with me? Okay, I'm uh, going to do a, a couple of verses here before we get into the book of Acts. We're going to get a couple of verses. One of them is Isaiah 28.10. Isaiah 28.10. By the way, have I told you what my pre-born great-grandson's name is going to be? Isaiah. Amen. Maybe he'll be a prophet. Prophet to the nations. Hallelujah. That is so wonderful. My granddaughter and her husband picked that name out and blew me away when I found out what they were going to name him. So that is so cool. He's going to be born here pretty quick. For the next few weeks, I'm going to be great-grandpa the second, second time. So I've already got a great-granddaughter. He has an older sister who will be three December 31st. And her name is Aaliyah. And she's... I don't know how God just does this for me, but she's the sweetest, most lovable little girl in the world. And he put her in our family. I mean, isn't that cool? So, and she really is, my gosh, she really is sweet and lovable. And I know you think something of your kids too. You better. <laughs> Praise God. We all do. Amen. 
For he says, order on order, order on order, line on line, line on line, a little here, a little there. Indeed, he will speak to this people through stammering lips and a foreign language. And who said to him, here is rest, give rest to the weary, and here is repose, but they would not listen. Now, you can make a lot out of that verse, or you can just kind of take it and leave it. But we're going to actually come back to it later on because it's quoted by the New Testament uh, by Peter. And so I think this has a meaning that God is foretelling that he's going to use tongues as a message to people, but not everybody's going to understand it. That's my take. And if you see something different about it, that's okay. We're still buddies and we love each other. But uh, I, I think that's what he's saying. And there's a there's uh, a, a pretty good agreement uh, in the theological basis that that's probably it. Now, I said a pretty good agreement. That's like 51%. So, <laughs> okay. Um, but we don't want to make more to it than what it is. But I do believe that God oftentimes reveals something in the Old Testament to show us in the New. And we can say, yeah. It's just like, in Isaiah was... Oh, Isaiah and the Psalms have so much about Jesus. And, uh, it, you know, Isaiah 53 is like, ah, oh, I wish every Jewish person in America would read it because it, it tells all about Jesus and the cross, his death, burial, resurrection, to whom shall the arm of the Lord be revealed. Oh, my gosh. So it's, it's just awesome. Uh, most of you are familiar with John the Baptist. I'm not going to spend much time on him today because he is a major part of this and he is more familiar to most people than a lot of the other things are. But John the Baptist was the forerunner to Jesus and he's the one that said, there, uh, I baptize you with water, but there, what, <laughs> there comes one after me that'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. King Jimmy. Holy Spirit and fire for the newer translations, okay? And he said, I'm not even worthy to lash his sandals. But he spoke of that, and, it, and people are probably sitting there going, duh, duh, you're going to burn me up? What's the deal here? But he, he had a purpose in doing that. He was the forebearer of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And when people saw the Messiah, they knew, at least some of them knew, that yes, Messiah is here. This is the one that John the Baptist had talked about. In the book of John, we read about that too, but we're going to read just a couple of verses here. John 7, 73. And I'm going through some things today that we talked about about a year ago when we were doing Holy Spirit messages, but it, we all need a review. We, we need a review on this because it doesn't get old. It just gets better. And then we put it together a little differently than what we did then. John 7, 37, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not been glorified. 
So not only are we told about the opportunity for the Spirit to come do a great work and that out of our innermost being would flow the Word of God, we also realize that the one who believed in Him would be Spirit-filled later, okay? That it's something later that they will have later, okay? And we find out all the way through the Bible that to be born again is the initiation. And then people could be baptized in water and are baptized in the Spirit. Or they could be born again, baptized in the Spirit, and are baptized in water, okay? But being born again is first, <laughs> Okay, that's, that, that's what makes you a Christian. That's what gives you forgiveness of sins. That's what's making Jesus the Lord of your life. Okay, Acts chapter 1, verse 4. I believe that John, what we read there, we just read there in John, it was inside of what's coming in the near future whereas Isaiah was inside a long time ago, you know, before that. Um, we're going to take a review, like I said, on the book of Acts, and we're going to have a solid formation in this subject so we can get into some current church practices for things that are or aren't still available today. We can take advantage and know where all of this came from. So hopefully you're making notes and at least writing down some uh, chapter and verses so that you can uh, study this at your own time. Acts 1-4, being assembled together with them, he, Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. That word promise is an important word. The promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? See, they were all ready for the army to show up. And the Air Force. And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the end of the earth. Now, there, there's a message right there, okay? There's so much there. He's talking about an enablement from the Holy Spirit to be what you can't be without him. And he's talking about evangelization. He's talking about reaching people all over the place, from here to there <laughs> and around the globe. You're going to notice as we come into this more that some of the tongue's purposes is actually evangelism. Okay. Some of us aren't, you know, don't think about that so much. He also says that you'll be a witness for him. Now, that's important, and I love to stop here and, and talk about that, because the word witness in the Greek is martyr. Okay, 
martyr is a person who dies for the cause. Okay, he's not going to say, of course, a lot of them were martyred, but he's not saying that everybody ought to be martyred. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is there's, you're going to die to yourselves in your own ideas, and you're going to be enabled to do the ideas of your Father in heaven. Amen. Amen? So he gives us the power to be a martyr in the fact that we die to self and we live unto him. And this gives us the opportunity to be a little more courageous, a little bolder, and to talk to people about Jesus. Because we've got such a good thing, and guess what? The uh, rooming places that he has been building for us for the last 2,200 years, it's not full yet. So there's still plenty of room to take other people with you. I sat there yesterday as I was praying and made a list on my table of all my family's first names. My sons, his wife, uh, their sons, their wives, their children, my grown granddaughter, her husband, the children, including Isaiah. Uh, all the people on my, not all the people, but a good portion of the people, my brother's family, him and his wife, their sons. I didn't want to go too far. I'd run out of paper. And then also uh, Teresa's siblings. And I just thought, you know, I'm going to have that right there. I'm going to lay my hand on that sheet. And I'm praying for them specifically. And it's right there where I eat my cereal every morning. And it's, I'm just going to continually to do that. Uh, it's not that I haven't prayed for them before. But I have this urgency that, you know, in my situation anyway, I've got to make sure everybody's saved. And I've done a lot of things. I've shared the gospel with most of them. Um, sometimes I haven't had an open door so much that I haven't done that, but I, I pretty well shared with all of them. Uh, we had a, a dinner a couple of years ago where, man, hallelujah, free lunch. And uh, we had a little message, and we gave them a little book, uh, The Resurrection with Josh McDowell, which we have copies back there. And when I, we're walking out of the restaurant, one of my granddaughters, who at the time was probably about 11, something like that, she said, I'm already through page four. It's amazing how many people will just listen if we'll talk, if we'll just pass them an idea or a thought. It's amazing. And uh, she and her brother, twin brother, are very, very active in their youth group in the big city of Bixby, and it's really cool, you know. Love it, love it, love it. Okay, um, Acts 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, the 120. Suddenly a sound, think about this sentence, Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Can you imagine this, this sound like a hurricane or a tornado and it fills the whole house? It's just there. I mean, to me, that's, you know, it's 
just imagine a 747 starting up in your house, okay? That's a pretty good picture of it. That's going to get your attention. Verse 3, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. The fire was coming out of the 747 engines, and it went on to little pieces, and pieces sat on all of them. All of them, how many is all out of 120? Okay, 120 out of 120. Okay, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Amen. Verse 5, now there were, they were staying in Jerusalem. Let me try that again. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. These people are out on the streets and stuff. Because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed. That's about as graphic as you can get in words. Utterly amazed. Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phygra and Pamphylia, I don't know that word, anyway, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues, amazed and perplexed. They asked one another, what does this mean? This is mind-blowing to all of these people. You have people gathered from all parts, the people who were you know, basically born Jewish, and then you have the converts to Judaism from all these different cities, counties, countries, regions. Oh my gosh. And all of them here, the Galileans, speak in their own language, praising God. Pretty cool, huh? Okay, we go on to verse 13. Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Because see, Joel spoke this in chapter 2, that in the last days I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will have visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Upon your handmaidens. And your daughters, I'll pour out my spirit. Oh, my goodness gracious. What a cool thing. 
hundreds of years ago. Another introduction. Verse 17, and he quotes that verse. Uh, we'll skip to 18, even though my servants, both men and women, I'll pour up my spirit in those days and they will prophesy, prophesy, prophesy. So all of those were prophesying. And they were being understood by other people in their native language. Verse 19, I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire, billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls upon the name will be saved. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. See, that is this tremendous action that goes on. Science fiction can't touch it. And it's a, it's a glorious day for those of us who are born again. For those of us who are in Christ. It's a glorious day. A glorious day. For those who are not, it will be fear and trembling. And they'll be running and they won't know what to do. It's going to be a shaken to the very basis of everything that people believe. But it's like, I saw that in the Word of God. Yeah. I know what's going on. The moon looks like it's blood. And all these other, oh, yeah. But it's a glorious day. Because that means we're getting ready to zip up this one and go to the next one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Acts 2.36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? See, Peter's, Peter's on it. He, he's not staying back. Remember, Peter was the guy that always stuck his foot in his mouth, but then he denied Jesus like a chicken. Yeah, he was a fraidy cat, wasn't he? But now filled with the Spirit, you can't shut him up. Hallelujah. Verse 38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He's, he's all excited about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The promise, the promise, remember we read in chapter 1 about the promise of the Father? The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. Uh-oh, he's saying something here. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. For all whom the Lord our God will call. Amen. How many did he call? Aww. Amen. Amen. Love it. Love it. Now, Acts 2 experience of tongues will be our first study of the types of tongues that we read about in the Bible. Remember what I read back in uh, 2 5 
about all the different nations and people groups, cities, regions, how they all heard the Galileans speak in their native language, praising, glorifying God. And they all go, what's up, doc? And the truth of the matter is, that section reveals to us tongues as a sign to the unbeliever. Tongues as a sign, number one, out of the four we're going to be talking about in the next couple of weeks. Tongues as a sign to the unbeliever. It's to grab their attention. And we're not going to leave it here uh, after today. We're still going to bring it back up again later on in the New Testament as a sign to the unbeliever. I remember going into the first time I was in a church that had a tongue. And I thought, what's this? And I was, I had, I was about five, six months in the Lord. And I wasn't in church because I thought they were all like the social agenda I had when I was a kid growing up and I didn't want anything to do with it. But I saw something that to me was different and I already felt the love that that congregation showed. So I felt safe. It wasn't because I was intimidated or anything when I heard tongues. Some people may be intimidated. I don't know. But it was, it was an appointed time for me. And I heard that. I don't remember if it was the first service I was in of that church, but one of, one of the very first ones. Because within a couple of weeks after attending that church, I got spirit-filled. I spoke in tongues. Okay. Now, maybe I'm getting a little ahead of myself and I'm saying, I believe in tongues today. <laughs> I'm trying to be quiet. I'm trying to leave the mystique in there. I can't do it. Praise God. I can't do it. The Holy Spirit is so loving and caring and generous and endowing us with his abilities that I've got to let it out. And this is one way that people who are not saved get saved. It's because they hear an utterance in tongues and they understand it. Now, I didn't understand the tongues that I heard then, but it was interpreted so that I could. And I, I saw there's something different there. Well, um, let's see what else we can find out in the book of Acts that would confirm or deny this experience years later, okay? And by the way, who remembers what I said a year ago or so that the book of Acts should be called rather than the book of the Acts of the Apostles, which is the whole name? Oh, Kelly, be quiet. <laughs> I heard somebody else say it. Uh, yeah, the, the book of Acts, Acts of the Holy Spirit. That's what it should be called um, because the apostles did those things, but they were enabled by the Holy Spirit. Without him doing it, they couldn't have done any of it. Oh, praise the Lord. About eight years later, we find out in Acts 10, eight years later approximately, here's Peter again. That guy is on it. Then Peter began to speak. 
I now realize how true it is. Did I say 1034? How true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts those from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. And I love this verse, Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And how he went around doing good and healing some who were under the power of the devil. Oh, all. He healed everybody that was under the power of the devil because God was with him. So the, the Holy Spirit is the one that did the stuff that Jesus did, okay? Because he was all God still, but he was all man. And he didn't use his deity to do the things he did on this earth walk. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit, okay? And there's a lot of other verses that say that too. Okay, he's uh, verse 39. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. Peter didn't mess around on it. He just said it. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead, he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets, all the prophets, all the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. There's the gospel. He's alive again. The stone's been rolled away. He's alive again. He's no longer where he lay. (laughs) I love it. He is risen, praise God. He did all these great, wonderful, fantastic things Miracles, signs, wonders to show us the hand of God, the love of God, the action of God, the purpose of God, and the gospel. A lot of people say something about the gospel. The gospel's good news. And it's pure and it's simple. It's powerful. It changes your life. It takes you out of darkness and puts you into the kingdom of his dear son, into his marvelous light. Oh, praise God. The changed life that the blood of Jesus Christ paid for so we could be forgiven that God doesn't remember my sins anymore. I used to be a stinker. How about you? (laughs) I needed forgiveness. And he has plenty for you, plenty. 
Well, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what Jesus did. What's that one song we sing? Uh, My sins were many, but his arms were wider. Ah, Glory to God. Verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Notice again the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father that's the same. It's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Notice that they are speaking in tongues and praising God, and this is, this is actually going to be, it's not really number one anymore. It probably could be put in number one as being a, uh, a testimony for the, un, the unbelievers, because people right there probably, there probably were unbelievers. Uh, but it also rolled into one of the others we'll talk about later. Then Peter said, verse 47, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. Remember this eight years later. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Still a sign for unbelievers, praise God. Can go back and do that first page again. Okay. Peter rehearses the same story in the next chapter, chapter 11. He said, As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in the way of God? Verse 18, when they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, so then, even to the Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Most importantly, Notice that these people were not seeking tongues. They were seeking Jesus. That's critical in our understanding. If I want to seek tongues, that's really not the purpose. We're seeking Jesus. And the Holy Spirit will bring in Jesus, the baptizer and the Holy Ghost. Okay, now if you, out of a good heart, say, Lord, I want to speak in tongues, God will do it for you. I know because he did it for me. You know, I didn't know what I was doing other than I wanted everything God had for me. That's what I knew. I'd just been delivered from alcohol. I set free. I had a new lease on life. I wanted everything God had for me because I was so excited about the word of God that I'd not used in my whole life up until that time. That's what happens when you're 36 and you meet the great I am. That's what happens. There's a change that comes on you. 
Hallelujah. You ask him inside and he'll be there. And he'll walk with you and he'll talk with you and he'll always be there for you. And he's always faithful. And no matter what, you can trust and stand on the word of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory. Give him, give him a hand clap. Hallelujah. So Jesus filled them and the Holy Spirit did special things in their lives. The wonder of tongues being one of those things. Now we're going to go forward and we're going to close out here in just a few minutes. Chapter 19. This is about 17 years later. Okay? So we're somewhere in the neighborhood of 25 years or so, something like that from Pentecost. Acts 19.1. While Apollos was at Corinth, Apollos was a preaching machine. Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So a lot of these people were getting spirit filled when they believed, but not everybody from what he said. They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Well, Paul asked him, then what baptism did you receive? They said, John's baptism. Verse 4, Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. And they spoke in tongues and prophesied. They were about 12 men in all. Would that be cool? 12 guys and disciples and they're all wanting more of God. And God sends the apostle Paul and says, it's here. Praise God. It's here. Hallelujah. Verse 8. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for about two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Again and again, the practice here is evangelism. Evangelism leads to salvation. Salvation leads to people being baptized in water and being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Amen? Okay. This is just kind of a little fun thing that I did. I looked at uh, the word filled in the book of Acts. And I saw the following verses. I'm just going to go through these real quickly. Acts 2.2, the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were, Acts 2.4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. Verse 243, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Um, Acts 3.10, 
the temple called beautiful, they were filled with wonder and amazement at what was going on. Verse, uh, Acts 4, 8, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, <coughs> Acts 4, 31, they were meeting, they were meeting, their meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, spoke in tongues, Acts 9, 17, coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Miracles. Acts 13, 9, then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, went on and looked right at Elamis and cast that devil out. Acts 13, 52, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Just trying to say, folks, when we're filled with the Spirit, things just work so nicely. <laughs> We're all sweet and lovely. Amen. Praise God. Tongues is great, but let's keep the main thing the main thing. It's being spirit-filled that we need. Tongues is a sign that we need to be spirit-filled. There are other ways that being filled with the Spirit can manifest other than tongues. But tongues, as we will find out later, has a lot to do with being spirit-filled and can lead others to saving grace in Jesus Christ. Some people teach that tongues is the evidence of being spirit-filled. I don't teach that. I teach it's a manifestation because there are some other things that happen with people being filled uh, where they spoke boldly in one instance. It doesn't say anything about tongues. It said boldly in other place. Uh, it said they prophesied. So uh, I don't want to split hairs over that. Uh, but I, I do know that I can't get ahead of myself. Be quiet, Dan. Okay. <laughs> Hallelujah. I hear the Holy Ghost talking. <laughs> he lifting up Jesus. Amen. Amen. Um, I don't think we'll, we'll give an, uh, if you want to be filled with the Spirit and you haven't been, you're welcome to do that at the end of the service. Uh, we're going to do that uh, as we go on. I just want to lay more groundwork because I want everybody to see it without questions. Uh, I want all your questions answered up front. I know that there's a lot of people that teach a lot of different things about this, and that's the reason we just go to the Bible. And when you see it, you want it, and when you experience it, you understand it, okay? And you can try to talk me out of it, but you're not going to get anywhere, you know? Because I know what happened when I got spirit-filled, okay? My life changed again. It changed when I got born again. When I got spirit-filled, all the preconceived ideas I had about people, prejudices, and, you know, you're a Baptist and I'm a Methodist. That junk all went away. And all the, the stuff about, oh, got to tithe to God. And I found out that was great. That was a privilege. How come I missed that all those years? And I was, it was joyful. And, and when somebody wanted something, I just wanted to give it to them if I had it. And 
if, if a little kid stopped there and skinned her knee, I'd want to help her get up and, you know, pray for a boo-boo. You know, I mean, it just, it just changed the love and the joy and the peace that I personally had. And it, it made me a different person. It gave me the power over me. And that's what we need. Because the me in us is our biggest enemy. It's not the devil. I was talking to a guy the other day, and he's pretty, pretty heavy into a lot of this spiritual demonic stuff. And I said, look, there's three enemies. There's the devil, there's the world system, and there's a the flesh. And your flesh wants all kinds of stuff. That's your biggest enemy because he, he, he listen, the flesh will listen to the devil or listen to the world system. But praise God, you don't have to worry about the stinking devil. Amen. He's under your feet. Amen. If you don't check, just go look at Reverend Kelly's feet, bottom of the feet. He's got devil juice on him. Yep. <laughs> it, that's where the devil belongs. I don't have to talk about the devil. Talk about Jesus, my Savior, my Lord. The Christ, Messiah, he's the one. He's the one. He's the one and only, praise God. And the Holy Ghost, as Jesus said, he will talk of me, he said, talking about Jesus. And so we need a lot of help with the me. Because our country, just to be honest, it's selfish. Everybody is me-centered. You know, two billion selfies a day go out. And don't think that it's no wrong to send a selfie. That's fine. But you send 300 the same day. Okay, maybe that's a little too many. Okay. But we, we are put on this earth as ambassadors, as ministers of reconciliation for a purpose. To love people. To help people. To share what we can share. To reach out and comfort them, to be able to lift them up in certain situations. I talked to a man, I kind of called him by accident the other day, but, you know, he's laying in a bed, and I mean, he's really, really got a severe attacks, several of them in his body, and it's, he's a great guy. He's born again, he's pastor churches, and I mean, it's just like, I want to do all I can for him. And all I can do really is pray for him and encourage him. But my gosh, that's not this. That's this. Prayer is the thing we ought to do at the very first, not when we've given up on the doctors. And he, in turn, spoke such encouraging words about, I'm not sure where, what's going to happen, but whatever it is, I'm going through it and I'm praising God for it. Amen. You know, and that's the attitude that we can have only by the power of the Holy Spirit because me ain't strong enough. So we don't live a normal human life. We live above that. We live a life in the Spirit. We live a life that's been filled with God Himself to carry us beyond the things of this world, the things that we see with these eyes, smell with this nose, hear with these ears. We go beyond that. There's healing in our hands. There's encouragement in our, our voice. There are 
or comfort in our arms. And so I just encourage you this week as you go out into the different places to use those healing hands, those comforting arms, those encouraging words, because God's put them there for you. You say, well, I don't really know what to say here. Bow your head and pray. The Holy Spirit will give you the words to say in front of kings, Jesus said. My gosh, that'll work for anybody, you know? I love you all so much. I really appreciate you. I know God is doing great things here at church tomorrow. And that we are here for a purpose and for a greater plan than just to have church. We are here to be the church. We're here to have a fellowship group that's built on the Word and the Spirit. And we're here to be able to train others, help others, to comfort others, to be a part of the hands and the mouth and the feet of Jesus Christ. And that's the greatest calling that there is. Remember, there's no such thing as laity. Everybody's a priest. Okay? Amen. Praise God. Let's give the Lord a hand clap.